0: Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Susanna Barkataki, an Indian yoga practitioner. Susanna is the founder of Ignite Institute for Yogic Leadership and Social Change, 200 and 500 yoga teacher training programs. She is the author of number one international bestseller in yoga, Embrace Yoga's Roots, Courageous Ways to Deepen Your Yoga Practice. Susanna is a diversity, accessibility, inclusivity, and equity yoga unity educator who supports practitioners to lead with equity, diversity, and yogic values. It was truly an honor to chat with her. Here we go. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or... Is preventing you from achieving your goals? By now, you all know that therapy is an important part of my own self-care. It has truly been a game-changer in every aspect of my life, including achieving goals. BetterHelp is the largest online therapy platform worldwide. They are changing the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to a licensed therapist. BetterHelp makes professional therapy available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. You can start communicating within 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And I have a special offer for Consciously Clueless listeners. Visit betterhelp.com Carly and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. By using this code, you get 10% off your first month. That's better, slash C-A-R-L-Y. Take care of yourself today. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am really, really excited and really honored to be talking to you um, today on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm really happy to be here.
0: Thank you. Well, the podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And that came from this place of me realizing that I've been on this journey of being like, I'm with it. I get it. I am here. I have arrived. And then other days being like, just kidding. I know nothing. (laughs) Uh, And everything in between and kind of like what that journey is. So I like starting by asking guests, where do you feel right now on the spectrum from clueless to conscious in this moment, whatever that means to you? (laughs)
1: I really love that this is the name of your podcast because I studied Western philosophy in college (laughs) and Plato, you know, it's like all that we know is that we know nothing. And so yesterday I was was feeling the energy of one of my teacher's teachers, Mm -hmm. um, Jay Krishnamurti, who is always asking questions like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And so a few weeks ago, I was in this place of like, yes, I'm sure. I'm feeling really good. And then just this last week, I've been like, "Ooh, I'm not so sure. I don't know. There's a lot that I don't know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where where I am is like, okay, I'm surrendering and letting go.
0: And does that process of surrendering and letting go or kind of realizing, oh, I'm not sure anymore. Does that excite you or does that feel scary? I think that's always interesting how people respond to that feeling.
1: I mean, all of the above yeah,
0: fair <laughs> enough. Like
1: these moments where it's really, really unnerving and really scary and feels like it's an undoing of everything I've known or believe or the foundation that I have mm. to stand on. And then it's like, I can't, I also feel like this is part of yoga, right? This is the practice. It kind of tunnels, and all of a sudden, I'm feeling very contracted and small and yeah. unsure. But then the practice is like breathing and expanding, and so nothing has changed. I'm still standing in the same, not knowing, but there's more spaciousness Ooh. around it. And then yeah. it's it feel exciting.
0: Yeah, that that kind of gave me shivers. <laughs> I like that. Like I'm the way you describe that. That even being in any new place, but experiencing it differently is really beautiful. Um, So I have followed you and taken online workshops and religiously like bought your book when I could. Um, I've been really grateful to have your resources. And when I was looking at your website again today, um, it says speaker, author, teacher, trainer, then it says yoga culture advocate, and that title right there. Um, I would love if you could expand a little bit for us to start. What is a yoga culture advocate? What does that mean?
1: Well, first I just want to say like thank you, and it's such an honor that you have been like pursuing and going down the path of of learning and kind of exploring all of these different perspectives on yoga today. And for me, what a yoga culture advocate is, it's all of us who are part of and care about the culture of yoga. Um, So what that means for me is yoga is more than just the physical practice. Like absolutely, yes, it is the physical practice, but it's also meditation and mindfulness and ethics and the way that I react to my kiddo or the way that I react to my friend when she calls me and needs support or, you know, how I handle um, a disappointment or mm. an exciting thing. You know, it's yoga is all of life and mm. and has been taught to us from the texts, from the Vedas, you know has really clear delineation particularly in the yoga sutras and the bhagavad gita as some of the foundational texts and so like when i think of being a yoga culture advocate i'm like well let's steward what yoga is mm. for the future so it's not watered down it's not lost and it is going to look different for each of us in the way we each show up and the way we each manifest and express right. that but there's some solid foundations that we can rely on and that we can turn back to when we're thinking about the practice.
0: That's really lovely. And to, to keep going on what you just said, the turn back to, so we're turning back to, what are we turning back to and what are we turning away
1: from? Mm, yeah. You know, turning back to, mm it's tricky in the sense that I feel like we need to look to yoga is not a dead tradition, right? It's alive. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a practice that comes from somewhere comes from a place comes from a people. There's texts, there's practitioners, there's lineages. Certainly, there are things in those lineages and those traditions and even in the text that don't speak to us and that maybe right. even aren't relevant or, are, you know, moving backwards. And so, and there's things that are really relevant. And so, for example, um, looking to a definition of what yoga is or what it can be in the yoga sutras, there's many, many ways that we're taught to practice yoga. Right. So looking there as opposed to like, going to a class or a studio or a place where, you know, it's like yoga is getting a yoga body or getting your work right. out on. And so when I, when I think about like what we're turning away from, I think it's like the oversimplification or the watering down or the, um, the really it's like the combo of, of this depth of practice with capitalism. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, people pick and choose certain things for what yoga is as opposed to the full expanse of the practice. And so it's turning towards that fullness and that authenticity rather than like the cherry picking or the things that just make people money or, you know, it's almost like the opposite of what yoga is like literally yoga teaches us to be detached from (laughs) our bodies, to not focus on our bodies. And so whenever I see something that's like, do a pose a certain way, you know, hit this whatever this, this pose, like, yeah, maybe that's a doorway in, but that's not the end game of what yoga is here to teach us.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I know that um, you've talked about this through your writings and, and through um, I love following you on Instagram. By the way, I just have to say your reels and your uh content on there, everyone listening should follow if they're not following you already cuz it's so useful and helpful. Um but I would love to hear and share with the listeners a little bit more about how you came to be a yoga culture advocate. Like what was that journey mm-hmm. for you?
1: Yeah, you know, my family is from my father's from India, the northeast of India in Assam. And my mom is from England and I was born in England Mm. at a time when mixed race families weren't really, mm, it just wasn't so much a thing, you know, and and there was a lot of discrimination against me and my parents. And then later my brother, when he was born. And so I grew up already experiencing separation, a lot of separation, Mm. a lot of disunity, and it was happening all around me. And then It went inside. Right. So I also felt disconnected from myself. I felt like, where do I belong? Who am I? You know, I'm confused. And, and so in a way, I feel like my whole life kind of set me up for Mm. understanding and learning and practicing yoga through like, the not sweet path through, through the path of struggle and other folks listening might relate to that too, you know, even though your story might not be like you're mixed Indian and British, but maybe (laughs) there's that have happened that, that, um, that made you feel like you weren't connected or didn't belong or, you know, weren't worthy. I think so many of us have those experiences and, you know, whether from our culture or body shape or size or ability, disability, race, you know, gender, Um, just the families and the lives that we're born into, right. It's not being a match or a fit, like the world, not quite getting our souls and our spirit, like our world doesn't have that kind of consciousness. The way that yoga sees us is already whole, perfect and complete. And then, you know, if we were to live, I think about this sometimes, if we were to live in a world where like schools were set up in a yogic way, they'd be so individualized and so personalized. Yeah. And each person would get to follow their passions and be nurtured and be, you know, like their spark would just grow, 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 grow. Like, what would that world be? How amazing, you know, it oh would be gosh. to live in that world and how much fun we'd all have learning from one another and like supporting one another's gifts. But I didn't have that. it's right, <laughs> so right, like the opposite right. of that. <laughs> So many of us did. yeah. And so, as I was growing up, I was I was pretty miserable and and depressed and anxious. Um, again, like so many people might, you know, be, have been or be. And my family would teach me these tools that were yogic tools, like for finding a little more you know peace as opposed to anxiety or mm-hmm. falling asleep if I was feeling stressed out. And this was yoga practice. It wasn't asana so much. I mean, a little bit of asana, but but more like the cultural elements, the meditation, the mantra, and it was useful to me. So that was like, oh, these tools work. But because I was growing up in the US, I was still kind of pushing them away. And feeling like I have to be American. I have to, you know, an American read because of white supremacy is like American equals white. Right. Um, And so I couldn't share those things or really embrace those things publicly. And I was really lucky to have a group of friends and colleagues who, you know, we get together and we meet and we create this like spiritual space before we did kind of planning and activism. And I would always bring like meditation or, or asana. And they were like, Susanna, <laughs> do you notice that you're like, this is what you're bringing us. And it's really helpful. You should go further into this. It's like, Oh no, no, I couldn't. I, you know, and, and they really like supported me the way that, you know, those friends, those are the ones to keep around that yeah. like, you for where you're going and who you're becoming. Yes. So they saw me and, you know, these are a lot of them, like one of them was Patrice Cullors, one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter and Mark Anthony Johnson, who does amazing work with um, Dignity and Power Now in Los Angeles. So people who... Also, we're we're doing the work of reclaiming their roots, their heritage, their culture. They were exploring IFA, which is an African religion and spiritual Mm. practice to like, go, go study, go learn. And so because of that support, I began to go deeper into yoga and, you know, instead of rejecting the things that I, I had benefited from like really embracing them and, and learning more fully. And so I studied in India and traveled and lived with my family members, extended family and um, practiced with sannyasis and renunciates for, for a couple years. And then came back when they, one of my main teachers, Shankarji was like, look, you need to go and take this. Like you've done enough studying now. Now you need to go and share yoga wherever it's going to be useful. I was a teacher, you know. So the very first thing. Right. Go teach it to your students. Go take this into the classroom. So that's been a bit of my journey. Wow.
0: I I think that it's um so many questions are popping in my head. I'm like filtering mm-hmm. through. <laughs> um, but one of the things I loved that you identified is the support that you had mm-hmm. and the importance of this outside support. And yet, like I'm, I'm kind of in that journey now of realizing that, that balance of where can we self-motivate and where can we be there for ourselves? And when do we need those outside support, those, um, those people that see us for, like you said, where we're going. It's so Mm -hmm. beautiful.
1: Yeah. That's Sangha, right? Like that wise community that each of us contributes to where, like in this day, it's it's pretty rare, I think, for people to find a guru. And even if we do, there's so many issues around guru culture now, yeah. like having one individual teacher, subsuming all your knowledge to them. But actually, you know, one of my teachers who's in, in the meditation lineage, Zen Buddhist monk, he always said the next Buddha, he's a Buddhist, um, or he was a Buddhist, will be the community. This is Thich Nhat Hanh. the next Buddha will be a community. And I love that teaching because it's so True, when you think about it, and yoga didn't come to any one person, right? Came through many different practitioners, and we each hold like this jewel, this facet of the whole web of knowledge that gets to shine more brightly as we each hold a piece. And like your piece reflects to me, and the listeners, and the you know, right, and and the more ways we can find to amplify and magnify our understanding, the the greater we each are individually and of course together.
0: Yeah, wow, that's beautiful. I want to come back to something you mentioned um, earlier mentioning your your kiddo. You have yeah. a you have a son, correct?
1: I have a 9-year-old, yes. A
0: 9-year-old son. Yeah. How has that experience been with passing on this information to him? I recently in my small community have started teaching yoga to students at the different schools in town and mm-hmm. I was honestly overwhelmed by how fulfilled I felt. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever felt so fulfilled teaching yoga than when it was to these young children who were so receptive mm-hmm. and so there and were thirsty for like talking about what do we do when we feel anxious? What does that feel like in our bodies? And I'm just curious what that's like having a kiddo in the house with this um this knowledge, this life.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that you're doing that. It's it's my favorite thing to teach yoga to children. Oh. I really love teaching to children for similar reasons to you because they are so um they're so open and there's mm. a way I think as a teacher too it helps us simplify. Yoga is not that complicated. Like there there are deep truths but they're they're simple in a way too, you know, like ahimsa kindness Kids understand that, you yeah. know, it's Satya Truth. Like they get that too, and and so there's a way that teaching to children, I think, has really helped me deepen my own practice. And so with Kailash, my son, a lot of what I find is it's like constant application of yoga philosophy, mm. and. I'm not like, hey, you know, clean your room because salcha, you know, it's not like that. <laughs> correct, it's Saucha, like the name the of cleanliness. cleanliness. But we'll talk about like, how do you feel when your room is clean and organized or, you know, like he's in in a space right now where he's like, I really like having things messy because I'm a creative guy and I want things kind of chaotic and like all the things around me so I can draw from them. like, okay, you know, that's your and you live in our house <laughs> <This is laughs> like a lit- what, what yeah. I would like you to do, but you can have your desk be, you know, have all the things on it. Your bed can have all the stuffies or whatever on it. Like you can have the, the creative expression there. And, and so in little moments like that, we find ways to bring in and, and sometimes I'll bring in like, and this is the reason I think about this Kailash, like why this is important to me is this principle, this yoga principle, or when we're talking about, you know, like um in fact just today on the way to school we were talking about how like kids who like he, at first he called it like this this person is a bad kid and i was like well are mm. they or is it that they're making bad choices and why do you think they're making those choices and so we started to go down that path of like what causes action and karma and wow um, even conversations about like sometimes i'll say to him like calling you my kid is weird right because there's like like a sense of ownership in my but you have your own destiny you have your own karma and who knows like what that is and I'm here to support you um, but as much as possible like also give you space and so we'll we'll get into these these whole funny philosophical conversations so I really enjoy it Um, definitely having children is a huge teacher
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's so, and it goes back to your point of, can you imagine if like our education system was more individual and supported those? And I'm just thinking of, you know, just some of the examples you gave. I'm like, wow, would that have been a game changer for me as a nine-year-old to have some of those conversations? Because sometimes kids want to know why. Kids want to know why you're telling them that. And because I said, so doesn't really, uh, help much. Although I know that sometimes just has to be the parent answer (laughs) you get to a point, (laughs) but I just like, can you imagine someone saying, this is why this is why that this matters to me. And here's a little bit more information and giving that for them to chew on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say you know. I don't think I'm like most parents. I don't feel like I have the answers or like I right. know the right way to parent. <laughs> right. right, right, right. Definitely, definitely having yoga to turn to is helpful. Like my kiddo broke his arm a few mm-hmm. months ago, and it's so sad. Like you don't want anyone you love to suffer, but it's especially hard, you know, when when it's a young person or a child. And so we had conversations around like karma there as well. Or like, cause actually weirdly the week before he had asked me, um, cause I broke my femur, my leg when I was eight, a little younger than him. And he's like, I wonder if I will break my leg too. And oh I my gosh. like, no, you have different karma than me. It'll be, you know, you have your own path. And then literally the next week he broke his arm. And <laughs> so, right. It's like, how do you hold space? You know, this is the age old question. So many of us confront again and again and again like why do bad things happen to good people you know why is there suffering in the world um and even when we're not good quote unquote like even when we make mistakes like why do we suffer so much and yeah. and so i just like had to sit with him with that and and then you know not jump to like there is a lesson or you know but like at the appropriate times you know what what has come out of this? Like, have you been able to, like, I, I would reflect my own stories, like, wow, I learned one, I could handle a lot of pain, and I could do hard things, and I would be okay. So that was a huge lesson for me. And I also understood what it was to suffer. And so Mm -hmm. when someone else suffered, I had a little more empathy and a little more compassion um, for them. Do you notice, you know, like that, that, Ah. You, you know, and so we just were able to engage in these conversations around um, around challenges and, and all of that, I really do attribute to yoga, particularly bhakti, you know, the path of devotion and love and like awareness of emotions. Yeah. Because me... Pre practice, I would have freaked out and I would have been like freaking out and anxious and upset and really worried and then like projecting that on him Right,
0: and, right,
1: totally. You know? But because of the practice, I was able to regulate myself and then integrate the learning, like the gem and the, and the insight, and not force it though. I think that's important because in yoga, it's like, it's not bypassing. Like, this sucks. This is not cool. Like, it sucked to break my leg. It sucks to break your arm. That's hard. And you know, when you're ready, what are the insights? Right. Yeah.
0: Is he is his arm healed, and
1: this is the other thing, Carly. Like, no, oh no, for, oh, no. He, he's fine. He's fine. Okay. Right? Okay. No, he's totally fine. Ugh. Like, imagine a whole bone. He actually broke two. Um, both the yeah, both bones. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, but he's totally fine. And it's like a metaphor, right? Where the bone heals is stronger and bigger and you can literally feel it in his little forearm, you know, it's like, it's, it's a bigger heel. And so like a bigger, um, like the bone is stronger than, than it was before. And so it's like, yeah, when we struggle, when we suffer, where things have happened that don't make sense, like there's no reason, you know, there's no reason like this sucked. It was, it was not, I don't wish it on anyone. Mm-hmm. And where we come back and we can learn from it. We can grow from it. We can be stronger. So that, yeah. So he's okay now. Um.
0: So I'm glad to hear that two bones in a, yeah. in an arm being broken in a nine-year-old. I mean, oh my gosh. No, no. So. Uh, well, I'm glad he's okay, but I'm also <laughs> really um, love hearing about the conversations that you have with him because, um, and like you said, I'm sure you're, you learn from him as well because even just teaching kids you know they're not mine but even just teaching kids when they ask questions because of that openness mm-hmm. they just ask questions that make that have made me go oh yeah let me think about that for a second like wow what a what a great question this podcast is sponsored by terra seed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive, vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at taraseed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. This podcast is supported by Will's Vegan Store. Will's Vegan Store has been a vegan company at the front of vegan clothing and sustainable fashion since they launched in 2013 by their founder, Will Green. They produce the most beautiful, vegan, sustainably made shoes, clothing, and accessories. I have been obsessed with this brand for years now. They were one of the first vegan brands that I really made the switch to. It can be hard to thrift shoes... But I love knowing that if I'm going to purchase a pair of shoes from Will's Vegan store, they are going to be ethically made. Their workers are protected. They don't use plastic packaging. They're delivered in an environmentally friendly way. It's truly the most amazing company to support. So if you're ready to try them yourself, hit the link in the show notes so they know that I sent you.
1: Yeah, I love that love that. And for yoga, any of us who are yoga teachers, right? It's like our students are that too, of any age. Adults as well, you know, Absolutely. their way of saying like, I can't touch my toes, Susanna. Like, I don't understand, you know, I can't, I don't think I can do yoga. And it's like, well, let's explore, you know, and, yeah. and what can we learn from that wish and how can we support them in, in their growth?
0: Yeah, I want to, I want to talk about a few things that I think are, or can, can be difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I remember listening to, um, Rachel yoga girl and her experience. And I've, I love, um, when you teach on her site or when you've been on the podcast, listening to that has been fun. Um, but I was so impressed with her conversation about wearing uh, a Bindi. Mm. And how she was open about that mistake yeah. and that learning. And I really appreciated that because there are a couple different routes you can go with that situation. Mm. Um, and I know that you must have people. I've, I have mean, I've seen it on your post, but you must have people reach out to you all the time. Like, I'm a white woman. Can I teach yoga? Or yeah. can can I do paddleboard yoga? Can I do sipping stretch or whatever nice. they call them or had like breweries and stuff. And I don't expect you to have to like point blank answer those questions, but how do you approach those conversations with people? Cause I've had that as well as a white woman teaching yoga, I've been mm-hmm. doing a lot of work to figure out what my role is, um, sometimes for better. And I'm sure
1: sometimes for worse. Yeah. I, I mean, I love all the questions that come because I think when the questions come, they're coming from that place of inquiry and like wanting to do better, you yeah. know? And and so the first kind of ground rule or like ground that I start from is, no one person can answer for anyone else, right? Mm. Like, yes, I do this work. And yes, I've written a book. And so I could see why someone wanted to be like, because Susanna Burkutaki says you should X, Y, Z or not X, (laughs) Y, Z. But really, I would rather all of us be yoga culture advocates, meaning Mm. be able to care enough and go deep enough and connect enough to what yoga is, that we can actually answer for ourselves. And so, and I'll say a little more because it's not quite that simple as like, I care about yoga and therefore I can answer this question. It's, <laughs> you know, that's a starting place, but it's like what, when we're thinking about like a practice that comes from India and has been practiced and codified for thousands of years and is something we're engaging with today, we're we're talking about cultural Appropriation, right? And and so and the difference between cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation.
0: Yeah, can we can we make that distinction first? Yeah,
1: I was gonna define. Um, okay,
0: I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, no, that's great. I'm um, yeah, because it is. It's really really helpful, I think, for people to see that cultural appropriation. It's literally, I mean, it's stealing, right? It's taking yeah. something from a culture that's not one's own um, and using it in a way that causes harm to the source culture. And so it's always involving one, power imbalance, like a differential in power, and then two, harm. And that harm can be material harm or it can be disrespect. Like, for example, with the bindi, um, it could be disrespectful to wear a bindi, which is like a sign of, you know, like Indian culture and where wear bindi's as a Halloween costume, right? Like that's like, Ooh, why are you taking something that's my culture and making it like a costume or even making a joke out of it. And then there's ways that it can be materially harmful if like a company is started up and they popularize Bindi's and then they mass produce them and then they sell them and they're not from India. They're not South Asian. Right. So um, and another way that that like, just to, kind of take it even further of like understanding harm. So like when I was young, I was wearing a bindi and um, a sawar kameez, which is like a, a tunic and Indian tunic and pants. And some local kids made fun of me and tried to like beat me up basically for what I look like, right? So there it's like actual physical harm because of, this cultural element that someone from the dominant culture might take on, like Rachel Raven has talked about, right? right. And she just looks cool and hip and like, ooh, so like spiritual and yeah, but such a yogi. From, <laughs> yeah, someone from the culture actually experiences marginalization. And so that's why cultural appropriation is an issue, right? Is because it's pointing to power imbalance, one, and harm, two. And so when we get to, appreciation appreciation literally flips that and instead of using power to hurt understands the culture from the inside out so like tries to even out power right like seeks to connect to the culture on its own terms learn about it understand it um respect it you know and and have reverence for it and then in terms of so in terms of harm So power, like equalize power, balance power. And then in terms of harm is um, instead of harm, practice ahimsa, like non-harm, uplift, care for. And so appreciation happens when we're caring for a culture and a practice. And having that, you know, that can't, that doesn't always look one certain way. So it might look many different ways. That said, I, I mean, I can answer you directly on like, Drinking and and yoga in general, for example, on that one, all the teachers I know, the yoga you know masters that I've learned from, so like sannyasis, renunciates, you know, they're following really strict precepts and they're right. living really, um, really kind of like ethical lives. And part of the commitment is to not let oneself be altered by substances and so I think there'd be varying degrees of answers of like it just it's not conducive to the practice it's not actually conducive to the goal of yoga to the aim of joy bliss freedom right Right. so why like why do something that causes more confusion and so yes it is harmful because it's leading us away from those things um You know, and so ultimately it's kind of coming back to, for every person who's exploring this and working to be a a yoga culture advocate, hopefully, right, is like, is this honoring the practice? Is it honoring the people that I'm teaching? Is it helping them? Is it supporting them? Is it, is it, um, you know, causing harm? And and is there a way that this can uplift the culture?
0: Wow. That I think is such a great answer because it makes everyone teaching and everyone listening I think take some responsibility back. Yeah. In in the way you just described that. And I've I've realized that with myself, I've, you know, like in the beginning, I just wanted someone to tell me, like, do I do I need to quit? Do I need to quit doing this? Is it right or wrong? Like I just wanted someone to like give me the answer. Yeah. And I love how you just described that because it's like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not giving you that answer. Why don't you think a little bit about why you're asking that question?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and really, truly to get to the aim of actually preserving yoga for the future, it can't be dependent on any one of us. It has to be all of us kind of assessing and then like course correcting and coming into greater alignment with yoga itself.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful too, is just the idea that to to continue on with any tradition, if anything, it it takes (laughs) more than one person. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate that answer because I know that you must get approached about those kind of like questions I'm guessing daily. I Um, do get it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I appreciate you taking the time to answer them again, but I think it's useful um, while talking to you just to figure out how to approach that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so important and so helpful in my own journey. Selfishly. I appreciate, I appreciate that answer. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of being a yoga culture advocate, I know that means that you teach classes, you do workshops and um, your book, which I am someone who usually like flies through books. Like I like I just I'm such a fast reader, sometimes to my own detriment. But your book has caused me to pause in the sweetest of ways. Mm. because that is the beauty of those reflection questions. For those who are listening, the every chapter, every part has these questions. And it's like, whoa, 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 you just took in some stuff. Mm. How does it relate? And I so appreciate that approach to this conversation. So what does that look like for listeners that are like, okay, what is she doing? Is she just teaching yoga and then being like, mm. don't appropriate yoga? You know, like, what does that look like for you in your work?
1: Yeah. You know, I love to teach. It's my favorite thing. I I think that I come from a, a lineage of teachers, and you know, my father was a teacher. Um, my mom was a teacher on both sides. Grandparents were teachers. And oh wow, <laughs> and, yeah. So, you get it,
0: honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I really enjoy taking people through an experience of not just like learning something with their mind, but really truly embodying it. And so my favorite thing to do is run the yoga teacher trainings or deeper kind of longer courses where we can spend time like months you know weeks days months together where some weeks we show up and you know me or the students and we're like dragging and we're tired and we're like I don't even know why I'm here like yoga what is that how do I even practice I I haven't been practicing at all you know and then by the end of the class we're different we're transformed It all been worked on by the co-learning and by the, the practice together. And then other weeks were like, yes, this is all aligning. And, oh, I understood that when I, you know, help my friend move or I diffuse that argument at work or I handled this tricky situation. Ooh, I was practicing Ahimsa. I was practicing Satya. Yes. I was self-reflection, the Svadhyaya, the, you know, the inquiry. I've been practicing yoga 24 hours a day, you know, and, and, and so it's those moments of realization and integration and aha, that for me, I feel like are what I'm here on this earth to, to help support people with through kind of learning experiences. And so, yeah, I mostly run group programs, yoga teacher trainings, um, other kinds of programs that are longer form, not like one-off here and there, because you know, yoga has eight limbs, right. And and of the eight limbs, one of them is asana and, and I do teach asana, but I really like teaching asana connected to yoga ethics and meditation and, um, and mantra and mudra and, you know, which is like the sacred sound, the gesture, the philosophy, the, the, um, the other aspects of yoga practice. So, People have a way of connecting to, to me, it's like the parts of the practice that we can rely on in the challenging times and the Mm. joyful times. Um, So that's what I I do. And I also write, I'm writing my next book. um, Yeah. Sadhana, like deepening your yoga sadhana, a personal practice, also an interpersonal practice, and then in the world.
0: Oh, I really look forward to that. There is so many moments after my own teacher training, even just after the first weekend that you start having, you know, a week delay or two weeks delay where you realize these moments are popping up, where these, these teachings are doing so much for you. I, um, I live in a small town in Northern Minnesota. And so I had to drive a couple hours every time I went to a weekend for my teacher training. And I remember driving home once it's about two and a half hours getting home and realizing, I think for the first time in my entire life, or at least since I was learning to drive, I had driven home in silence. Mm. And that is not some, that's not my MO. I am blasting music or podcasts 24 seven or previously I was. And it hit me like, why, why, why is that weird for me? Mm. You know, like those moments, just as an example, like why was I so uncomfortable with silence? Why was I so scared of my own thoughts? And in that I totally attribute those moments to becoming, you know, certified. But not it's the certification doesn't matter. Learning the teachings of yoga. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's so powerful, Carly. And for folks listening, it's like I, I don't like if you've done a teacher training and and if your training was like more than just the physical focus, then you mm-hmm. might have already experienced this. It's sort of like a journey into yourself like yeah. knowing yourself deeper and then a 300 hour training which is like kind of I think of the 200 as like a BA and the 300 is like a master's although they're both more condensed than that right um is is like building on like ooh, I understand myself a little bit more now how do I apply the, these these practices and these philosophies and live in in, in harmony you know like Ayurveda, the sibling science to yoga is all about how we become in greater harmony with ourselves and with the natural world around us. And so like being in silence or connecting to the air, the water, the sunlight, you know, the rain, like the trees, all of these things are, are part of a uh, well-rounded yoga lifestyle and they are so rewarding. You know, there's like a depth and a joy that's underneath I think, and in a way, like counterculture to what our culture tells us will bring us happiness or, you know, fulfillment. Um, Yeah,
0: it it felt like a coming home. Yeah, I think that those the teachings feel like coming home to like what you're supposed to be. For me, Mm, yeah, you know, like back to like back to what we're supposed to be doing on, on this, in this physical life, um, and away from that, like capitalism and that, that consumption and, and that distracted world that we live in.
1: Yeah. And, and I love that. And it's like, and we're in that world, so we'll participate in it when, you know, when we do, but not be, that won't be the sum total of us yes. right like there's something more there's there's other things that bring joy and bring peace that can't be bought and and that that to me is the power of yoga it, like actually cannot be given and cannot that also means that that peace and that power cannot be taken away so no piece of paper no teacher no authority outside of myself, you know, can ever undo the power that yoga has conferred upon me. And that way of living is like a sovereign being, a liberated being. um, I hope for that for all of us.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I had another question that I meant to ask back. So we're going to track backtrack a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I'm um, wondering if for listeners that are like, okay, I get it. Asana is one of eight limbs. That's a physical practice. But I'm wondering if maybe you could give just a little bit of insight. If someone's thinking, like, okay, so how does you know, Susanna, you're teaching a class, a physical an asana class. How does it look? Maybe a little different than a class other people are used to. If you're incorporating these other things.
1: Yeah, um, I love that question. I have some free classes on YouTube that folks can check out. It's just out under my name. Um, it depends on the context, right? Like, right. For example, when I used to teach with kids, I might start, like I taught in a preschool. And so I might start. Oh, wow. a we're little. Do, yeah, like <laughs> two to five-year-olds. They were so cute. Oh, my gosh. We're going to yoga today. And I'm going to start by reading you a story. And I read a story like Penguin and Pinecone, which is this beautiful story about a penguin who befriends a pinecone, but, you know, penguins live in cold places and pinecones need heat to grow. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was so sweet. And so even though penguin loves pinecone, you know, penguin takes pinecone back to a, a foresty, warmer home that leaves like a, you know, penguins knitted pinecone, the scarf to keep pinecone warm and leaves. The pine cone there, right? So it's a beautiful story about friendship wow. and letting your friend be who they are. And you know, goes back and then oh, okay, goes back in and adventures and, and season now there's this tall tree with like the scarf on it. So this is pine cone, right? All oh grown my up. Gosh, <laughs> yeah. is so emotional. I know, I know. And Ugh. and so we'll read the book and we'll talk about it, talk about the characters. What is this, right? Like what what is penguin doing? Well, showing the power of ahimsa, the power of kindness and mm. like, how can we care for for each other and our friends? And I remember later that, that so we read the story in that particular class, we did some asana, right? We did penguin pose, we did pine cone pose, right? So we brought some asana and physical practice in um, and then closed with mantra, med- a little bit of meditation, you know, two to five-year-olds. It's like maybe three, four minutes. <laughs> and then I was on the yard and one little girl got stuck on the, um, what are those things called? Like the monkey bars. Mm. And she was, but she couldn't like get dead. She was afraid to fall because she was, she was a little high. And this other little four-year-old or three-year-old ran over and like held her up. And until someone like the safety supervisor could get there and Bring her down. And I went over and I went up to the little boy because someone was taking care of the girl. She was crying, but she was okay. She was just scared. scared. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hey, you know, that was amazing. What made you run over and help her? You know, she might have fallen on you, you could have gotten hurt. And he said, Miss, this is the power of Ahimsa. I was like, Oh. Wow. Oh, okay. Like wow. you now taught me, you know, and and So I feel like sometimes when we're teaching yoga, it's really so much about almost what we're not doing, like what we're not saying and how we're being. So so my intention often in classes with children or adults is to weave in that aha for them you know, to have themselves. So if it was an adult class, you know, we probably begin with some pranayam, some meditation, just a way of disconnecting. Like we've all rushed in from our jobs, from work, yeah. from you know, life. So maybe some meditation, um, some sound, some mantra, chanting, then perhaps a shloka or, or t- pulling from the yoga sutras, like, um, like, even just Sutra 1.1, you know, Atta Yoga Anushasana, now, Atta now, is the practice of yoga. Not what you thought you should have done this morning, not, you know, what you did last year, or the silent retreat you think you should go on next year, but but like now, this is yoga. And then weave that through the class a little bit, do some movement, some asana, very invitational. My classes yeah. are, tend to be very invitational Um exploratory like invite curiosity and then probably close with depending on the length and the context like maybe some invitation to journaling mm. or discussion if we were in person pair sharing and then closing with um, meditation again mantra um, maybe again pranayama so uh, a, a journey of an experience that yeah. hopefully leads to some insight
0: yeah. That's really, really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I can um, put your YouTube will be in the show notes so people can check it out if they want to see for themselves, which I'm sure they will. Yeah. I really like how you showed that example with the little, little kids on the playground. Right. Cause it just like solidified in my mind, like, Oh, the, the power of almost naive sounds negative, but there's, there's something, I don't know, not, not being jaded yet or something or not being influenced yet or whatever it is, um, of that and how that's available to us. Like you said, like yoga can do that for us too. It's maybe a little easier for them because they don't have all this conditioning yet. Um, but that's what I love is just that he looked at you and said, it's simple. It's just, it's a himza." Yeah. Of course, Susanna, yeah. of course. Where were you doing yeah. that lesson? Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> That's really sweet. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mentioned this earlier, but I really love following you on Instagram. I love watching when you're making reels, dancing around and teaching. Cause I think that there is, um, you know, a stereotype that if you are practicing yoga and you're really serious and you're into it, that you are like, I don't know, this stereotype of a human in a in a lot of different contexts. But for some, I've um, surprised people that I like, I still lift weights, like I'm a gym rat and like, mm-hmm. and all of these other titles. Um, so how do you like let loose? Like, what is your thing that people would be like, oh, that's unexpected. I didn't think that would be something uh maybe it's dancing or whatever that yeah. you can share. But do you feel like there's parts of yourself that people are like, oh, I'm surprised because of what you do?
1: That's a good question. Yes, I'm sure there are. Um, I can't think of any right now, but um but maybe it'll come to me. I I love dancing for sure. I mean, I used to also go to the gym and take lots of Zumba classes mm-hmm. and work out and you know, like um, so I like, I, I, you know, I think of it as like edutainment, right? Like <laughs> the way we are in our culture today. And I didn't coin that. Um, I don't know who did, but um, but our culture, like we don't want to just learn. We want to learn and have fun while right. learning. And especially when talking about, you know, some kind of heavy topics like cultural appropriation and how to honor the roots of yoga. It's like if if we can have fun while doing it like to me let's do that and so yeah. i really enjoy dancing i enjoy kind of taking myself a little bit lighthearted and like you know having a little humor about things also i'm older i was born in the 70s right late 70s but still so it's that thing too of like oh i'm too old to be on tiktok or whatever like who cares like there's no too there's old no limit. to do. Yeah or too old to like make a silly reel that you right. know something about. So I I do enjoy going, kind of going counterculture in those ways too. It's, it's super fun for me. And just thinking about ways to get messages across that will land for people. And that yeah. will be like, oh, I see. Oh, aha. Um, but like things I do that might be like unexpected. I, I feel like I'm pretty, what's the word? Like there's like a consistency, like you wouldn't be surprised <laughs> to know that I practice yoga, love to hike, you know, walk, but maybe you would not know that I really love young adult novels. And so uh, Same. And, and, Oh my gosh, yeah. so yeah. in the <laughs> evening I'll be, you know, often found reading, I'm reading this great one right now called inspired all about, um, a girl who, who becomes, um, aware that she's actually descendant from the muses the Greek muses yeah it's so good
0: inspired I'm writing this down inspired I'm always looking for young adult novels that's amazing that's
1: so cool Carly that you love young adult novels
0: I do my mom and I like for as long as I can remember I've always loved to read and uh Mm. she was really good at introducing um young adult novels and kids with like strong female leads and Mm. just really cool stories so I love I love that. I'm going to look up inspired. Yeah. Is there anything um, that you want to share that I haven't given you space for or anything that you need to get off your chest for listeners?
1: No, I don't think so. I I really have loved talking to you and um, I'm just so excited for your community and for the people who do listen. Like I, anyone who's drawn to like this idea of being clueless, like not fully knowing, I feel like I just want to cheer you on and be like, (laughs) yes, this is what yoga is about, right? It's a parigraha, it's letting go. Uh, It's doing every action that we must do and then letting go of the fruits of our actions and also letting go of solidifying around absolute truth and fundamentalism so we can learn together. And so I just want to like, celebrate and and appreciate you and everyone listening
0: oh thank you so much for saying that it's really been such a pleasure chatting with you thanks for listening to another episode of consciously clueless if you're enjoying this podcast please subscribe share with your friends put it on social media don't forget to tag me if you're on apple podcasts or good pods leave a review reviews and shares help more people to see the podcast and join in on the fun If you want to make sure to stay up to date on future episodes, follow me at Consciously Carly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Pinterest, and head to ConsciouslyCarly.com to sign up for the newsletter. Ready for more Conscious Living content? Check out patreon.com slash ConsciouslyCarly and join the exclusive community over there. And finally, if you're ready to take better care of yourself and the world, let's work together. Click the link in the show notes to head to the website, find out more, and schedule a free discovery call with me. Chat soon!